take your goal, 10 exit. What would you have to do to hit it? Whatever you believe, that's what you that's what you do. Identity is just it's the way you see yourself. It's what you believe about yourself. One of your biggest problems every morning when you wake up is that you listen to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown, and this is the Hook Better Leads podcast. And today I have the pleasure of having on Dylan McCabe. How are you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's Limitless, which is a buying group for roofers, and you allow people to be able to get better deals on things. And, and what are some of the types of things that you guys help people get deals on? Yeah, that's right. We And if my camera will, there we go, it cleared up. Yeah, so we're basically a buying group. We help, we help our members uh, maximize their profits and master their craft. And so when we talk about maximizing profits, you can just have better conversations, you know, with vendors or suppliers or service providers when there's a big group of you. Mm-hmm. So whether it's general liability insurance, healthcare insurance, software like Hail Trace, um, Sumo Quote, things like that. Our goal is to just kind of negotiate group rates on those things, which directly impacts your bottom line. Love it. And today we're talking about self-limiting beliefs and letting go of them. And I know that this is something you're passionate about, but let's just kind of carve out what the idea... First of all, I think this is going to be a very fun conversation and we have real substantive tips for you today that are going to make your brain better. Whether you're in roofing or whatever you're in, I really think this is one that's going to be good for anybody. The examples might be in roofing and stuff like that, but it's going to be a good one. But what is a self-limiting belief, Dylan? I think a self-limiting belief is just something that you really believe about yourself or your situation that prevents you from moving forward. You know, it may make you feel like a victim, like you don't have control. Mm. And that's a bad spot to be in. And for a lot of people, it's a habit. It's just a, it's the normal way of thinking and, you know, it started out with me. It's a big part of my story of when I was a little kid. I mean, I learned early and on, I can't do this. And that became a way of life. So yeah. self-limiting beliefs, this is, this is, we're talking about something way more real than just positive thinking. This is, this is the way you actually operate because you, whatever you believe, that's what you, that's what you do. Absolutely. And the way I see self-limiting beliefs too, is like, what if you think you're an unlucky person? You know, my, my wife thinks of herself as lucky. You know how good that is for her ability to achieve things? She just puts herself in that mind state of, of a lucky person. And for some reason, she also ends up being more lucky because of the way she thinks. But it kind of comes down to, like you said, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? So how can we let go of self-limiting beliefs? Let's start with your number one tip. Yeah, I think... I think identity is huge. Yeah. Identity. So talk to me about identity. What does that really mean? Yeah. I mean, identity is just, it's the way you see yourself. It's what you believe about yourself. Um, you know, if I think it's a good challenge for anybody, if I ask you, who are you? And you start rattling off the things that you do, I'm going to say, well, no, that's what you do. You know, Tim, you're the owner of hook agency. You're the, those things relate to your identity, but, but who are you? A lot of people can't answer that in one sentence. Um, because of my faith, I've got some statements about who I am. Uh, and then I, you know, actually in the last six months or so, when I was at the Transform Conference that, that uh, Sales Transformation Group hosted, they had a speaker there named Jamie Winship. I'd never heard of this guy before. He told a crazy story about 
monkeys in the city when he lived in uh, lived in Nepal or Peru or somewhere. But a hilarious story. But his whole talk was on identity, and it stirred me more than any talk I've heard in years. And I drove on the way home and was just meditating on that. Like, man, who am I? Who am I? And and so today I've narrowed that down to, to one sentence. And my for me, my identity is I'm a creative leader who elevates others or elevates creative leaders. And there's mm-hmm. a lot I, I can unpack there. But to me, being creative means a lot. Um, because I've always been a little different. I've always marched the beat of my own drum or whatever, but I can, I can tell you, I had years where because of the challenges I faced, the failures or whatever, if I'm, if I was to read my thoughts and write those in a book that you could read my identity, the things I was telling myself, you're a loser, you're a failure. And if you say that to yourself enough, that's who you are. So then like contrary to your wife, if I go into a situation, I'm already telling myself, well, this here's another thing that's not going to work out for you because that's what I saw. You know, it's like if, if, if you convince somebody with wings that they can't fly, you tell them enough time, even if they have wings on their back, and you tell them they can't fly and they believe it, they're not going to fly. And you're sa- you were telling me before we got on this podcast that essentially that's people's default. Without some intentionality, you are going to talk to yourself negatively. Yeah. So negative. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, when was the last time you attended any business class on identity? Like this isn't usually something that's talked about in the business world. Uh, it's definitely, it's talked about in more spiritual circles, but even there it, it can stay pretty vague or, or just be so many varied statements that it doesn't come down to one that's just for you. And mm-hmm. so I think, I think we all owe it to ourselves to do that and to live from that, live from that identity. Um, but yeah, going to the negative self-talk thing, that kind of feeds identity as well. They they found out years ago in the Navy SEALs that the biggest problem with BUDS and the, the low uh, pass rate was not because of physical prowess. It was because of the mental game. It was the negative self-talk. And so they actually developed a mental toughness program. You can read about it. You can even, there's a book written on it. But they started teaching the SEALs, taking them through classes for a few weeks on four areas of mental toughness, and the pass rate immediately increased dramatically. I love that. And um, so you believe that self-talk is one of these big ones. Um, Now, how do you, like, really work this in? Like, can you intentionally build better self-talk is that part of your routine? How do you really do this? Yeah, for me, I've got a few phrases that I tell myself. Mm. Um, I tell myself, like, I just started learning classical guitar. I'm really drawn to classical guitar, meaning not just a acoustic guitar with, with nylon strings, but a classical guitar and classical music pieces. So learning how to read music, playing classical music on guitar, it's incredibly challenging. But what I'm telling myself is, You've done hard things before, and this will become easy too. Or I'll tell myself, um, hard things become easy things. I tell myself that repeatedly, but I'm also really enjoying Mm -hmm. learning it, and that's a big factor too. Um, But yeah, I I talk to myself. I I read a quote in one book um, years ago that said one of your biggest problems every morning when you wake up is that you listen to yourself instead of talking to yourself. So Mm -hmm. I just practice talking. I mean, we all are passively listening to ourselves, right? 
Whether you yeah. want to or not, it's 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 the human makeup. Everybody does it. Yeah. So then I just started going, wait a second, you know, actually being mindful of what am I feeling and thinking and, and talking to myself instead. And, you know, emotions are good feelings, but they're not good lords. You got to you got to really rein them in and tell yourself what to think. Ooh, I love that. Deshaun Bryant talks about his mantra. Essentially, he has a couple different mantras, his life mantra. And then he has one where. He's a door-to-door guy while he's out door-to-door knocking. He's essentially like, homeowners love my vibe and they want to join my tribe. You know what I mean? He's like, I can't stop myself from signing contracts. And he has this kind of like, this rhyming, powerful identity built into mantras. And I and he came and spoke to our team and uh, everyone or anyone that wanted to. Um, I held them accountable for writing their own mantra afterwards. It was a super good workshop, by the way. Um, and I really like that idea of just trying to build in. And it, to me, keeping it simple is good. Like having a few sentences that you can kind of write out. What's Mine is around developing leaders and around having energy at home for my you know family, obviously. And um, I want to be that type of person so I, I i build it into a couple of key sentences and i say them back to myself um and i think that it's not a bad exercise if you want to try to do that and you're listening to this um the third one we have is goal setting and visualization how does this help you let go of self-limiting beliefs goal setting and visualization yeah i like that um so going back to the navy seal thing that's the the four things that they would teach them is positive self-talk visualization goal setting and deep breathing and so with visual visualization i mean i I know you're like this too because you're an entrepreneur but like we look at situations and we see the possibilities we think through what if we did that what if we do that we're we're Mm. thinking through the plans of something yeah you know of what could this look like i'm going to I've got all this raw material. I can take this raw material and I can turn this into a workbench or a beautiful dining room table. You know, I'm a woodworker. So um, I'm visualizing it first and then building it. And and Mm. entrepreneurs do that. And so I think some people, they just don't, I guess they don't practice that. And yes, of course, you got to be able to look at the downside and the the weaknesses too. But I think that's a powerful way to remove those self-limiting beliefs. If you truly believe in what you're doing and you want to be the best version of yourself and you want to build a great organization, there's no other place to do that besides the Roofing Academy. Before we go kind of into the visualization and stuff a little bit more, I just want to kind of note that if you're not the type of person that loves this, that's okay. Like Dylan and I are, we're the type of people that love visualizing. Like, you know, when people ask what are your, what's your five year plan? Like we could talk for an hour, right? If you're not that type type of person, you don't enjoy that. There are personalities that are like, that doesn't mean you're bad. You might be different than us. That's fine. My wife is that way. I say when I, cause really what the result is that we want is being effective. Right? We're talking about being effective as an individual, doing the things better that we do. you know. And so for my wife, the way that she does this kind of taps into some of the same principle for a different personality type is what I always say, what did you enjoy from this last week? What did you really enjoy? And how could you do a little bit more of that this week? And that's just a way, somebody that doesn't like visualizing 
five years in the future. That's okay. But like you said, entrepreneurs, we love visualizing a lot of times, entrepreneur types. And one of the things that's been very helpful for me as far as the strategy is Grant Cardone's 10X rule, which is essentially like, what would you have to do? So you've got your goal for the year. Let's say my goal is 800,000 in increased recurring revenue or something like that. Like, or you're, you're a roofing company and we're just trying to get $1.5 million more sales this year than last year or whatever. What would you have to do? What would I have to do if I was going to hit 10 times that? And the, the question is important because then you start to list out, well, if, I mean, that's ridiculous, but this, I would have to create partnerships at scale in my local community. I would have to uh, hire five more sales reps. You don't have to go do all of it, but it, it's a creative exercise that cracks open your, your creativity, your imagination, and wields it in the right direction for types of things that you might want to do to grow a little faster. And essentially his idea is that you actually need a lot more activity than you realize to hit the goal that you want to hit, which is the 1.5. You need to have a lot more activity than you realize. So this allows you to kind of scale up what you think you can do. And thus, you know, maybe you don't hit 10 times, maybe you don't hit another 15 million. But the point is, is that you, you get more creative about what you could do to grow fast. And so that, to me, is a very useful visualization technique to get more creative um, in what I'm doing. That's cool. Yeah, I haven't I haven't read that book. That that sounds like a good one. It's good, man. But that's the basic principle. That's the basic principle. Take your goal, ten x it. What would you have to do to hit it? Um, definitely a good um, principle. All right, number four. We both read this book recently. Gap versus the game thinking. Yeah, that was that that was a turning point moment for me coming across gap versus game. So I, th- I think I don't, I don't know about you, but with me, I can constantly think about what could be, and so you're never there. It always changes. You know, what if we get up to a million in revenue? What if we get up to five? What if we get up to ten? What if we get up to thirty? You know, you know whatever it is, and then you and then you hit those milestones in your business, and it's not as exciting as you thought. Things are a little more complicated than they were, and now what? And so, in gap versus gain, I love how they basically chart like three bubbles, <clears throat> and each of those bubbles are the same on each. You know, if you took a sheet of paper and drew a line down the middle, and then have three three ovals on one side, three ovals on the other, and the bottom one is your starting point, the middle is what you've achieved, and then the top tier is um, your ideal future but he changes your measure of success. Whereas on the left side, your measure of success, if you're living in the gap, your measure of success is what you've achieved compared to where you could be. Here I am today, here's where I could be. But I love how on the gain, if you're living in the gain mentality of everything you've gained up until now from your starting point, you're constantly looking back. And that's my standard of measure. That has been a huge blessing to me this year. It's given me more joy. I've shared it with my wife, my my girls, and that and and really for me, I mean it's it's helped me think. What? Look at how far we've come. It's so easy to focus. God, when are we gonna? Hey, God, when are we gonna get song? the? You know? Have you heard that song? Look how far you've come. No. You, you should look it up. It's a gospel song. It's very very good. Oh dang! Look okay. how far you've come. 
It's uh, basically like I was just about to say that before you said, "Look how far you've come." It's just—it's basically like gain thinking personified in a gospel song. So you'll you'll very much in, enjoy it. But Sh- shouldn't I, I be telling you about this? What's that? I said, "Shouldn't I be telling you about yeah, yeah. that?" Yeah, I told him no, uh, no gospel talk in the talk. Anyways, okay, I came from this area, so I got a little. All right. Gap versus Gain, though, it's a great book. You should read it. It's essentially this idea that Dylan's talking about most entrepreneurs live in the gap because we kind of have to or it feels like we have to because, you know, being dissatisfied drives us forward, but it's a big liability. It is a big liability because if we're in that, kind of get a little negative. And so, yeah. Always, always charting backwards like, damn, what did we get done this year? We literally got a ton done and we need to celebrate that. And I've built that into our business too where the third quarter we always do kind of a big celebration of whatever, you know, whatever we accomplish. And then we get back into it and set big goals and have, you know, this big goal setting thing for the beginning of the year. But that third quarter is all about celebrating uh, or the beginning of the fourth quarter is always about celebrating um, all all the big gains we've had. And I, I feel like you got to build in celebration into your business a little bit. Yeah, and your marriage and your yeah. stuff with your kids. That's that's uh, I don't know. I feel like it's the American business person mindset that it's it's almost a virtue to focus on the struggle or mm. focus on the grind. You don't hear that yeah. phrase as much as you used to, but. It's like a badge of honor to talk about how much you're grinding, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I'm really way more impressed at how much you can rest because your business is running like a well-oiled machine and you're, you're still a high net worth individual. Yeah. Like, that's way more impressive to me than you're working 80 hours a week and you never see your wife or kids. Like, that doesn't impress me. Yeah. I think that the other thing that I realized, too, is like, because I was talking to somebody about this, a friend the other day, and I'm like, I don't know. This might be a self-limiting belief, Dylan. But I, I, I said, I don't know if I'm ever going to be like ultra wealthy. And I always kind of, you know, I imagined that for a while. Like, oh, I'm going to do this crazy, you know, grind 67, whatever is it? I'm sure roofers out there are like, dude, what? 60, 70 hours a week? Yeah, 60, 70 hours a week for like eight years. You know, I thought I was going to, whatever, I'm going to get super wealthy. And I don't know for sure if that's, I don't know if that's ever really going to happen per se. It may not. Basically, the chances are that it may not. But my friend was like, talking to me, he's like, I think we just like, as dudes, we just like working hard. That's part of it. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's not about glorifying the grind. I've just been thinking about this. Like, it's a nuanced discussion because as as guys, we often just want to work hard. And that's no matter what. You know what I mean? You find the guy with billions and billions of dollars of net worth, but he's just got nose to the grindstone, like, cranking, you know. We're a little neurotic, guys sometimes about work we go hard and we would do it no matter what even if we were very wealthy but if we're not let's say i'll never be crazy wealthy i still would want to do it because i like it i like working hard and i feel like that i feel fulfilled when i'm doing it i don't know i guess i don't know if i'm contradicting you or if i just want to like have that nuanced discussion no, that's good. I mean, I think we're all we're we're designed to be productive and to to manage and master things and create things. I don't think I think you hear about guys. So I was part of a 
uh, Wednesday morning Bible study for years, and I was the youngest guy in there. All the guys in there um, were like 60 and above, many of them very wealthy. And I got to witness some of these guys go through selling their company or retiring from a massive company or whatever and just share each week kind of a crisis. Mm. You know, I, I, I'm stressed out. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm looking into these things and just, you know, when you have nothing to do, that's, that's not a good place to be. You know, I, I actually have a personal friend. He's, he's a, he could be, he could be my dad's age, but he's a very good friend. And he was, did very well in the skylight business. And about 15 years ago, he retired early at like 50, at 50 years old bought a 45 foot catamaran had it hand, had it made in Africa sailed over to to Florida and he went sailing around the Virgin Islands for like a year and I called him about 6 months in and I was like Dennis how's it going man and he was like it's stressful you had nothing to do <laughs> like after a few weeks of just fishing yeah. off the side of your catamaran and not doing anything productive after a while you you want something to contribute yeah, exactly. Isn't Basically, that weird? I, yeah, I just wanted to kind of note that, like, there's both of these things, right? It's true that I'm not impressed by your, like, 90-hour work weeks when you can't hang out with your family. And let's be honest, we like it. <laughs> we like grinding. We like not – let's not say grinding. I don't want to glorify, like, neurotic working, but certainly we find meaning in heavy work. You know, like, and, and working hard. I think that it is, I don't know if it's men. I just happen to be a man, and this is how I feel. I think we do, I find some of my identity in that hard work, personally. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it for a lot of guys. For me, so I grew up in a really broken home, so for me, one of the, one of the big values or I, parts of my identity is I want to be an amazing husband and amazing dad. Right. So that means working less than mm. the average guy. Um, but, dude, if it was up to me, like if we could sell Limitless tomorrow for the right price and I could do whatever I wanted, I'd probably do woodworking for about two hours a day. I'd probably practice guitar for about two hours a day and then figure out some way to be an encourager to other people. Mm. But it would be like two hours of work a day. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my other thing, though, is like I. Yeah, I hide in work a little bit, if I'm honest with you, Dylan. This will just be a little therapy between you and I. I don't, I'm not doing therapy. I think everybody right does. Yeah. Yeah, I just hide there. I hide there because it's uh, it's comfortable. I feel competent. And sometimes as a husband, and definitely as a father because I'm super new, but um, I don't feel as competent. You know, like I feel like that is, it's more nuanced and it's harder to like feel mastery. I like. I do like doing things where I feel mastery over them and work. I'm getting there, right? Oh, yeah. I'm with you, man. I mean, work is so much easier than relationships, uh, you, you know. And, and as guys, it's I, I, this broad sweeping generality as well. But yeah. it's, it's typically a lot easier to just get to work, focus, and do something where you can just do better at it. And then you get home and your focus is completely busted out of yeah, you know, it's for us. We've got three little girls, and yeah, it's chaos. <laughs> I I do think that I have you know some self limiting beliefs though around you know my my 
capabilities as a as a as a husband and stuff like that too. So I, I think I need to work on that and uh, the way I think about it because I ultimately could be a great husband. I think I can. I think I can often be a great husband. So I, I need to work on that belief there. Roofers, you want at least five solid lead gen tactics building chemistry. Let's say you have door knocking, referral systems, job site branding, and you add in aggressive SEO, paid ads, and boom! Mmm, smells like more leads. Hookagency.com. All right, let's talk about that last one. You mentioned relationships. So how do relationships help you let go of self-limiting beliefs? Well, to me, this is the biggest limiting factor in anybody's life. I mean, I look at any of the gains I've made in personal development or in business, and pretty much every single one has come through relationship. I mean, I have no, I have no place on paper to talk business. Like just last week, I was um, talking with the president of SRS. I'm not the qual. I am not a qualified guy to negotiate with the president of an eleven billion dollar year company. Like I, I haven't been in the corporate world, um, I, but I've had relationships with corporate guys. I have a business mentor who's a very high net worth individual here in Dallas that I bounce ideas off of. Um, I, I'm not the guy to to spend time getting to know people, but I had a job as an apartment manager and got mentored in Dallas when I moved up here on how to love people and care about people and spend time with people and learn how to really enjoy people. And um, because of people who've invested in me and the relationships I've had, thankfully, it's removed a lot of extreme limits on me personally. I used to really not like being around people at all. And now I love spending time with people, but it took years. And, um, uh, I remember when I first, when I, when I had my spiritual experience and got all into my spirituality and faith, I was really intense and difficult to be around and went from being a passionate skeptic to a passionate believer and started just hitting people on the head with what I believed. And thankfully I had somebody again, a relationship that came in and said, Hey bro, I love you, but, uh, you need to dial it back. Like you're you're really alienating a lot of people in the way you talk to them. And I, and I was so thankful that he told me that because I knew, I knew I was a really intense guy and I knew that nobody else that was around me was brave enough to tell me that. And so just stuff like that, that's what comes to mind when I think relationships, I think there's inspiration, there's models and examples, you know, going back to, I, I have a very broken uh, childhood well, I've met, I don't have a, a, an amazing father figure that I can look to and say, wow, thank you for your example in all these areas of family, marriage, finances, whatever you want to call it. But I've met men in my life um, who are amazing examples. And I would think, man, I want a sense of humor like him. He's so lighthearted and you know pleasant to be around. Or I want to be wise and critical thinking like him, um, you know, the way he looks through things and th whatever it might be. But those are all relationships like mm. I just you just can't get yeah. there through books alone. I want to give an example too of a relationship I have that we have this um, nonprofit that we support in Uganda called Era Ninety Two, and they do um, training from kids from the slums to learn graphic design, and they do our our reels. So if you ever see our reels, and there will be reels that come up from this. Feel free to make this one in, uh, into a reel, guys. Um, about 
you know, they do a bunch of stuff in the slums and stuff like that. So it's it's a very cool program. But um, he was here, the dude from there, uh, Trinity, and he he is a relationship that I have that he helped expand my uh, self limiting beliefs because we were talking about self limiting beliefs and I he has like five seven businesses or something like that including um, the school and a, basically a bank and a coffee shop and several other a tour uh, a tour thing in uh, in Uganda so. Basically, like, I just, like, try to think a little bit bigger. Like, what other businesses could I have? And, and like, I could put a GM in, in place like he does. And then um, I feel like just the way I think about money is obviously in, in the United States a little bit more free-flowing. It's worth more there, but it's free-flowing here and a lot more people with it. And so just the, the back and forth between us. I was expanding his mindset about money and he was expanding my mindset about, like, Maybe you could have another business and maybe you could have somebody in place in that business. That relationship helped me and is helping me um, kind of crack open some of my self-limiting beliefs. And, you know, we have beliefs that we have in place because of our culture, you know, around um, whether it be money or let's say family, like because we have a... A pro, like we have a little bit of a problem in the United States, as you were kind of mentioning, where we're not very kind on ourselves when it comes to free time and time with our families and stuff like that. So that's a self-limiting belief. We believe we have to work seventy hours a week just to be a you know to have a successful business. That might be a self-limiting belief that I have to let go of, and that actually. That might not be what's true anymore for me. It might be more true that to have great relationships in my business, that getting better with these relationships um, in my family as a husband and as a father, that maybe that will actually improve my ability to run my company. I don't know. I feel like this is something that I I need to work on. So I'm just kind of talking through it as I'm working. You know, I want to work on this. And ultimately, I believe it. I believe that that's absolutely true, is that if I take more of responsibility around my identity as a father and as a husband, that I will be a better business owner. Because those things all have implications on the way that I treat my, my employees and um, the people on my team. You know, so we also want to touch on your your self limiting beliefs as a business. So a lot of roofing companies are acting like like they they have the mindset that they are a small business and that small businesses do things a certain way. And how can let's say a buying group or something like that help roofing contractors expand their their ability to not act like a small business. Yeah. Thanks for asking about that. That's, that, that's really the vision for limitless. And that's where we came up with the name. A lot of that has to do with the concept of becoming a limitless leader. And that happens through relationships. So the, the goal of our group is to do two things, help you maximize your profits and help you master your craft. And I, I really believe mastering your craft comes through you connecting with others. So we're going back to the relationships thing, but asking another roofing owner who's two or three steps ahead in their company, 
where, of where you want to be. You want to be at five million a year and have four sales guys and have a you know ten percent profit margin and be able to go on vacation for two weeks and not answer your phone twenty times a day. You want to have freedom, like really at the end of it all. That's what we all want. You want freedom as you define it. Well, we wanted to build a group where look, coaches and consultants are great, and I love doing aspirational speaking, talking on leadership and all that stuff. But um, we wanted to create a group where owners are talking to one another. And they're not just going to a conference to hear a speaker. They're, they're talking to one another saying, hey, you, you've had your company 15 years and you're at this level. I'm, I've had my company four years. How? What, let me share what I'm doing. Can you, can you give me some feedback? Just having that interaction over and over again, month after month after month. So becoming limitless that way. And then you remove the limits on your, your overhead and your, your profit margin and your costs. When we come together as a group and we we buy, we negotiate deals and group rates, whether it's on roofing materials, uh, general liability insurance, healthcare insurance, software, you, you name it. It's just really powerful when we come together. Like I think about that movie um, Gladiator. You know that scene when they're reenacting the whatever that battle was, and you got the Colosseum and these charioteers, and they're all running together, and Maximus is like come together as one, as one. And that huge guy that used to be Arnold Schwarzenegger's, Arnold Schwarzenegger's workout partner is coming over. And then there's this one guy that like, isn't listening and he just gets destroyed. You know, it's like, we're so much stronger when we operate as one. And so that's what, that, that's one way limitless can help. And there's just, there's just a lot of untapped potential there for a lot of roofing companies. Love it. Um, I certainly want, people to know where they can go to check that out what is the dot com for this it's roofinggpo.com. yeah we also bought limitlessroofinggroup.com but that's under construction uh hopefully it'll be live next week maybe by the time you air this it'll be live so roofinggpo.com or limitlessroofinggroup.com. and i'm glad you're on because i don't think there's a ton of buying groups in roofing this is a pretty um innovative concept for roofing it's it's common though in other industries correct yeah i was in healthcare for two years and there's there's hundreds of buying groups there you know physicians and independent doctors are really good about coming together to help each other and they have a lot of power that way absolutely and i mean i understand that um this might be something that there's more of you guys in the future or something like that but uh, like for you um, what do you envision in the next few years for your company and, and what it will do for the roofers that are involved? Well, we envision making that master your craft part a lot more powerful with in-person events and still, though, owner-centric and owner-to-owner helping one another's roundtables, collaborations, and stuff like that. Um, and then as far as the buying power side goes, we basically just want to make sure that the top 15 things, let's call it the 15 things you pay for in your roofing business that we have really strong group group rates on all of those so that it's just a no-brainer. Like you're a roofing company owner? Oh yeah, you're a member of Limitless because of course, why would you want to leave 20 grand a year sitting on the table or whatever it might be? Hmm. Love to hear it, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, say the dot com one more time here. So roofinggpo.com or limitlessroofinggroup.com. Awesome. And the podcast is put on by hookagency.com, Hook Agency, all over social. Um, please rate, review the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, subscribe, thumbs up, comment below. Really appreciate you guys for checking this out. And Dylan, 
Thank you, man. This has been a very good topic. I I really appreciate your tips on this, and I, I think that this is a really it's a really big one for us as entrepreneurs to to work on. So thank you for taking the time. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm talking about Mountain Dew.